Amen. Well, good morning and welcome to each one of you. And Pastor Nick, thank you for your kind words. And if you notice, he's practicing some of what he was preaching the last few weeks on kindness. And so thank you for those wonderful words. Well, a young man was in a supermarket shopping when from the corner of his eye, he noticed a little old lady following him. Every aisle he went down, she went down. When he stopped, she stopped. When he moved, she moved. And so finally, after a little while of her following him, he asked, Ma'am, are you okay? She said, oh, I'm so sorry, son, for staring at you and following you. It's just that you remind me of my late son. The man thought, oh, I'm so sorry, and, you know, that's okay. Is there anything I can do? She said, well, it would really mean a lot to me if when I'm at the cash register and after I'm, I'm leaving on my way out, for you just to say, Bye, Mom. I'll see you later. You know, my son used to say that to me all the time, and it would just, since you look like him, it would just make me feel so much better. He said, oh, of course I can do that. So the lady went to the cashier and did what she had to do, and on her way out, he says, bye, Mom. I'll see you later. So he thought to himself, well, I just made a little old lady's day. So feeling good, he went to the cashier, rang up his items, and the cashier says, all right, sir, that will be $121. <laughs> the man thought, how is that possible? I only have two items. The cashier said, oh, your mom said to put it on your bill. <laughs> <laughs> At the bottom of that joke, when I read it, it said, don't trust little old ladies. <laughs> Pastor Nick has been on a series on the fruit of the Spirit the last uh, few weeks, and so I decided to follow in on that theme and along that same theme. And this morning, I will be talking about understanding life in the Spirit understanding life in the spirit. And so let us pray. Heavenly Father, indeed, we thank you for this day and for this time that we can share in your word. And we pray that, Lord, you would open up our minds and our hearts to hear from you, that you indeed would lead us and guide us, and that you would speak, O oh God, and help us as your people to be obedient as your spirit leads. We commit this time into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, the scripture that we'll be looking at is in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 26. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 to 26. And if you are able to, would you please stand as we read God's word? And this morning I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 to 26. So I say, let the Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit guide gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. 
These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Feel free to be seated. In this passage about living by the Spirit's power, Paul reveals things to us about the Holy Spirit, who is part of the Trinity or the Godhead, we may say, and that is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is one God in three parts, or sometimes we refer to him as the Trinity or the Godhead. And so in this part of Scripture, Paul teaches us more about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives. You see, the Holy Spirit is God's presence with us. When Jesus came to earth, he was physically God in human form walking amongst the people. And today, how good it is to know that we still have God's presence. And it's through the Holy Spirit that God's presence is with us. And when we become Christians and when we are saved and when we accept Jesus, not only do we have God's presence with us, but we now have God's presence inside of us, dwelling inside of us. And that is why our bodies are referred to the temple of the Holy Spirit, God's temple, because God is not just with us, around us, but he is inside of us. And so as Christians, we have the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. It's important to accept Jesus. And that is the first step of becoming a Christian, to surrender our lives to Jesus, to accept him as Lord and Savior, and to follow him. But you see, that's just the beginning of becoming a Christian. In order for us to grow in a healthy and deep relationship with God, we need to constantly be relying on God's Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us, to go deeper, to reveal things to us that otherwise we wouldn't be able to know on our own. And many of you can testify that through the Holy Spirit and by the Holy Spirit, there are things that God reveals to us. As we read his word, sometimes the Holy Spirit gives us revelations and understanding that otherwise we would not understand. And many people read God's word and say, I don't understand that. 
That doesn't make any sense to me. Well, if we just read it in our own human flesh nature, it probably won't make sense. But when we have the Holy Spirit's guidance, he starts to reveal things to us and make things clear. And as we read these uh, passages and these verses in this passage here, I want to draw your attention to three different things. And the first one is that we must allow the Holy Spirit to guide us. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you. Now, it's important for you to remember that when we say that you should allow the Holy Spirit to guide you, guiding is not controlling. There is a difference between being guided and being controlled. Being controlled means that other person or source has full control and you no longer have any sort of control or say. And that's not what God does because God gives us free will in everything that he does, but his Holy Spirit guides us. For someone or something to guide you means to give you direction, to lead you in the way you must go. It's to help you find your way to your destination or wherever it is that you're going. And the Holy Spirit wants to be our guide and show us the way. Now, I'm being honest, and if some of you are honest with me, you would say, like me, I'm really bad with directions. If you need to go somewhere, you know, it's embarrassing to say, but sometimes I come out of a parking lot and I end up turning the wrong way because I'm, I have no sense of, you know, unless I really know where it is I'm going, right? But sometimes I come out and I'm like, I should have turned the other way. Like, it's just that bad sometimes. So if I don't know where I'm going, then I rely heavily on my GPS. How many of you rely on your GPS? Okay, so if I know where I'm going, like I can get from my house to the church, right? That's pretty much to the extent. But if I'm going somewhere, I heavily rely on my GPS. So I remember a day recently where I was driving someone home, and so I was, again, I, I didn't know the area. It was a different area than my own. And so I was following my GPS, only made sense, right? So I'm following my GPS because, you know, I don't want the person to have to say, okay, turn right, turn left, turn right, go up, turn left. So I'm listening to the GPS. So the GPS is telling me to continue on straight as we're getting closer to the destination. And the person says, no, 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 don't go straight. Don't, don't go, don't listen to your GPS. And I thought, listen, my GPS has been quite reliable, (laughs) and I'll listen to my GPS, but the person says, no, no, make a turn here. And to me, it did not make sense to turn where the person was telling me to turn, okay? It didn't make sense, because my GPS was telling me to go to the main road and then turn, not on this small side street. And the person said, just trust me, I know where I'm going. This is my area, I live here. So. What do you think I did? I turned on the small street, okay. Because the person said it's their area, they live here, how can you argue with that, right? So I turned on the small street and would you know, I got to the destination five minutes earlier. So the shortcut worked out. Even though it didn't make sense to me to turn there and and go the direction they were telling me to go, I trusted them because they knew where they were going. 
I trusted them because it was their area. They knew and they had been there many times. And so I allowed the person to guide me to the destination. You see, in the same way, the Holy Spirit wants us to allow him to guide us. Do you trust God enough to say, Lord, even when it doesn't make sense, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to let you lead me and guide me and direct me because you know the destination. You know where it is that I'm going. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 are familiar and why don't you read it with me? It tells us to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. In all your ways, even when it doesn't make sense, even when you don't understand, even when you think that you know the direction that you should go, allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and to guide you. May you allow the Holy Spirit to guide you in making decisions. May you allow the Holy Spirit to guide you in choosing the right university or college that you should attend. May you allow the Holy Spirit to guide you in choosing the right spouse, the person that you should marry. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you in applying for and accepting jobs. May you allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and to lead you in your parenting and how you discipline your children. May you allow the Holy Spirit to guide you in every single area of your life. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you. Psalm 23 verse 3 tells us, he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. May you allow God to guide you as he knows the direction and he knows the destination. Well, have you ever been tempted to do something you know was wrong? Or maybe you've even given in to that temptation, and I'm sure we all have at some point. The reason is because there is a spiritual battle that is going on around us and also inside of us. There's a spiritual battle that's going on around and inside of us. And in verse 17, we're told that essentially there are two forces that are fighting each other. Good, that is God's spirit, and evil, that is our carnal sinful nature that the devil uses to tempt us with. And these two forces, good and evil, are constantly in a battle with one another. And that's why we're tempted. You see in cartoons sometimes, when someone's about to make a decision, they have the angel on one shoulder and then the devil on the other. You've seen that, right? Essentially, that is true in a, a way, where there are good and evil forces constantly fighting with each other. And it's important for us, and God wants us, to desire what the Spirit desires. To desire what the Spirit desires, and that's point two today in the message. The sinful or carnal nature, that is our, our flesh, our body, desires to do evil and has an inclination towards evil. And that is completely opposite to God's Spirit and what He desires. 
You see, the carnal nature or the fleshly nature is us giving in to those temptations and it's pleasures of the flesh or, or things that we are easily tempted to do. And so our bodies are sinful and the nature in itself is sinful with an inclination to do evil. Well, you may argue and say, well, I'm redeemed, I'm uh, saved by God's grace, and I don't have to worry about that because God has saved me. The reality is, is that as Christians, we still battle with those things, the good and the evil, because we all have that sinful, carnal nature. You see, when Jesus died... And I want you to pay attention to this. When Jesus died to redeem us, he didn't die to redeem our bodies, okay? Keep this in mind. Jesus didn't die to redeem your body. That is why no man in his humanness, in his human body, can see God and live. Because we cannot see a holy God in a sinful body. When Jesus died, he died to redeem our soul, our spirit. And so we can say, it is well with my soul. I may have aches, I may have pains, I may have problems with my body, Physically, but my soul is well. It is well with my soul. And that is why at the resurrection one day, we can look forward to our new bodies, our heavenly bodies, when we are in glory, that we will be changed and transformed. And so Jesus died to redeem our souls, our spirits, but not our fleshly bodies. And that is why that battle goes on. Because our spirit, we know what is good and what we should be doing, but our body is telling us something different. And so there's constantly a battle that is going on for us to do wrong. And we have this inclination towards evil. We actually have to train ourselves and tell ourselves, you need to do this or that. It is so easy for us to do the wrong thing. It's easy. So, for example, for example, think about this. It is so easy for a group of people to talk about all the negative things about a person. It just comes very easily, right? But it's more difficult for that same group of people to train themselves to look for all of the positive things about a person. Why? Because again, we have an inclination towards evil for our sinful nature. But God wants us to desire what the Spirit desires. To desire to do things that are good and pleasing to God, even though our flesh, our bodies are telling us to do something else. He wants us to desire those things. When we give in to our sinful nature, he tells us the consequences. In verse 19, it says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. There are many things. These are all sins when we give in to our sinful nature and when we please the flesh then these are the things that happen. And notice that these things are all evil and against what God desires. And here's the hard truth. He says, let me tell you this again. 
He says, I, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because it is contrary to what God desires. It's contrary to what the Spirit desires. God wants us to desire what His Spirit desires. So how do we desire what the Spirit desires? Well, first, before I get into that, let me ask you a question. You ever notice that people who hang out together are sometimes similar in some way? They can be similar maybe if you spend a lot of time with someone, you may start dressing alike. You may start using some of the same phrases. One day I was talking to someone and they said a joke or they said something and you know what my response was? Oh, bless you. And I thought, I've been hanging out with Pastor Nick too much. <laughs> and, and so they start using some of the same language or slang or they like the same music or similar tastes in food or hobbies or sports, whatever that may be. The more time you spend with someone, the more you become more and more like them. You see, the more time we spend with God, the more we desire and we learn to desire what the Spirit desires. Amen. The more time we spend with Him, the deeper in relationship we go. And so we're more in tune with God's Spirit to recognize His voice and how He speaks in different areas of His life. We're more in tune with Him to be able to recognize when we read a passage of Scripture, how it's applying to our lives. The more time we spend with God, the more we start to desire the things that He desires and start to hate the things that he hates. The more time we spend with God, the more we understand his character and his nature. You see, the goal is to be like Jesus. The goal is to be like him, to desire what the Spirit desires. When we grow in relationship with God, we begin to change. You see, we cannot, we cannot, I don't care what you say, we cannot fully experience the presence of God and stay the same. We cannot experience God's presence and still remain unchanged. You see, when God revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush, he said to take off your sandals because you're standing on holy ground. My presence is holy. And Moses hid his face because of that. You see, when we enter into God's presence, things happen. Things happen. The guards at the tomb, that they were guarding Jesus' tomb, when the earthquake happened and things were revealed to him at Jesus resurrecting from the dead, they fell on the floor like dead men and shook because of God's presence was so awesome. Saul on the road to Damascus had an encounter with God and he was left changed and transformed and converted and saved for Jesus. Amen. You see, we cannot have a proper encounter with God and be left the same. Have you experienced God in that kind of way? Have you experienced God's presence moving in your life? You see, true evidence of a healthy, growing relationship with God is the fruit that we produce. True evidence of a healthy, growing relationship with God is the fruit that we produce. And I, I, I carefully choose those words because we can have a relationship with God, but it can be very much on the surface. 
you know that there are people in your life that you know and you just kind of say hi and bye to them or how's things going or whatnot. It's a surface level kind of relationship. But there may be people in your life that know you very well. They know the things that you don't like. They know the things that you enjoy doing. They spend time with you. They know your past because they've been through it with you for many years. See, there are different types of relationship. But in order for us to have a true health healthy, growing relationship with God, we have to invest in that relationship. And the fruit that we produce is evidence of it. In this day, and I say um, we need to have that, point number three is that a spirit-led life bears good fruit. A spirit-led life bears good fruit. And I put emphasis on the word good because there are some fruit out there that are not good. They may look good, but they're not good. And you know, some of you may have fruit trees in your backyard, or if you've gone hiking, you've seen fruit on a trail, and it may look good, but it's not good. It could be poison. It could not be good for food, even though it looks good on the outside. In this day and age, you cannot tell a person if they're Christian or not just by looking at them. You can't. If you look at them, you can't tell if they're a Christian or not. And it doesn't matter if they wear a cross around their neck or in, on some part of their jewelry or have a, a fish symbol on the back of their card. That does not truly mean that they're Christian or that they understand or have a deep relationship with Jesus. You cannot tell really by looking at someone if they're Christian or not. In a passage in Matthew chapter 7, it talks about true and false prophets wolves in sheep's clothing, other words. And the passage talks about how we will know the difference. And you know what it says? Matthew chapter 7 verse 20 says, by their fruit you will recognize them. How will we know that? How will the world know that we are Jesus' disciples? How will they know that we are followers of Christ? By telling them? Well, we can tell them, but we won't be able to tell everyone. But by our fruit, the world will recognize us. If you want to evaluate your relationship with God, you need to ask yourself, is it healthy? Is it growing? Am I showing evidence of a spirit-led life that is bearing fruit? The fruit of the spirit. Am I loving? Am I joyful? Am I peaceful? Am I patient and kind and good? Am I faithful in everything that I do? Am I gentle? And do I have self-control? A spirit-led life bears good fruit. Amen. Ask yourself this question. Am I bearing these fruits? Am I showing evidence of this fruit in my life and in everything that I do? Because a spirit-led life bears that kind of fruit. In closing, I want to tell you, I love my car. <laughs> oh, I love my car. And you know what? My car is six years old now, but I still love it as much as I did on the day that I picked it up. And I remember the day I picked it up, and, you know, that was six years ago, and it was beautiful and bright and shiny and new. And, and you know, when I first got it, 
I thought to myself, I am going to be so careful with this car. I am going to drive it so well and not going to have any problems and, you know, whatever the case may be. And, and over the years, I have been very careful. There has only been a handful of people that I have ever let drive my car just because I'm so careful with it. And I actually, because I drive so much for visits through the week and in different areas, I feel very uncomfortable as a passenger. Do you know, do you know what I'm saying? Because uh, I'm so used to driving that when I allow someone else to drive me, whether it be in my car or in their car, I feel awkward. Like, what does a passenger do? Like, should I watch the road? Should I be on my phone? Should I talk to them? Or am I distracting them? You know, it just, it gets awkward for me, right? And so I'm not used to being a passenger. I'm used to driving and being in control and, you know, knowing where I'm going to go and, and whatnot. And I remember a time just after I got in my car that one of my good friends said to me, oh, so can I drive your car in the parking lot? And I thought, of course not. <laughs> how, like, how dare you even ask me to do that? And I said, no. And, and you know, like, how, why? Why would I let you do that? And so, you know, I, it, over the years, it's been very difficult for me to, you know, hand over the keys and say, here, you know, you can drive my car and I'll just sit as a passenger or, or you take my car, whatever the case may be. And in order for me to have handed over my keys and say, you know, Mark, you, I haven't let Mark drive my car, but, you know, in order for me to hand over those keys and say, you know, I trust, I need to trust you, right? You, you need to trust someone to entrust something that you love into their hands. And it, it's sometimes very difficult for us to do that. But this morning, I want to ask you this question. Have you said to Jesus, here are the keys you drive? Do you trust him enough to say, Lord, I've been in control, I've done my thing, but now it's time that you drive because I trust you. I'm going to sit back and be the passenger. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to watch the road. I'm not going to question your ability to drive, but I'm just handing you the keys and I'm saying, you take control. You drive this time. You take control and you drive. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you. Desire what the Spirit desires. And remember, a Spirit-led life bears good fruit. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, indeed we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit that is at work around us and in us. And we pray that, Lord, you would continue to fill us and move us and lead us, O oh God. We know that through your Spirit, you are able to change and to transform and to speak and to move and to do things beyond our wildest imagination. And so, Lord, we pray and I pray for each one here today that they would truly give you control, that they would truly allow you to direct them in every part, that they would be willing to trust you enough to hand over the keys and say, you drive, you take control. And so God, we just pray that you would have your way. And I pray that you would sanctify your people through and through, that you would help us to get to that point of what we call entire sanctification, of handing every area over into your life, in, of our life to you. And so God, may you move and have your way, and may you fill us as we continue to look to you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.